charge <laughs> my um this is completely off topic. let's go straight into a tangent my feet feel really bruised <laughs> forgive my shoes <laughs> i wore some slip on shoes the other day because oh. i've discovered i've got really big tangles. you're a bit tangly mm. yeah yeah Yesterday, I ended up walking around a lot more than I planned, oh, and yeah. I did it in my half-broken sliders. Because you were not expecting No, because originally I was just like going to go to the shops, get my jeans, go straight to the oh, swimming pool, swimming pool yeah. and then come home. Yeah. That was the entire plan. You weren't meant to be out all day. No, I wasn't meant to be wandering around town for three hours. Because <laughs> basically, I missed the swim session I was aiming for, and they were like, ah, oh, well, we don't open for another like two hours and a bit. And because I don't drive... Just what was the if I went home I was not coming back and it was a nice sunny day so I was like okay I'll just homelessly wander around the town centre for a bit I sat yeah. in the park for a bit in the sun red so I mean, yeah, it was, could have been worse days but yeah I did about twelve thousand steps yesterday because then I had to get the bus after swimming get the bus home and also walk from the bus stop to home so yeah twelve thousand steps all in broken sliders. <laughs> With like been, holes through the I've been thinking of getting a pair of sliders. They're a bit grippier than slippers. Yeah, they'll be like slippers, but I won't feel that I have to like burn them and disinfect them after being at hospital. Yeah, you can wipe them down. Mm. And they're acceptable to go outside in. Yeah. Not that you're worrying about that one. My brother was though. wearing socks and sliders yesterday. Yeah. And I was like, that's the vibe. Thank you for this gift. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for this gift. Yeah, and he I gave me get... some of his socks. <laughs> he was like, I bought some of these socks and they're big and fluffy. And he said, You can take them to hospital and gave me a couple of pairs. And I thought, like, Oh, you know what? One of my favourite pair of socks I had was I <laughs> I stole my lesbian housemate's football socks. And I was like, Chloe, you're never going to that. She was like, You are stealing my clothes like a girlfriend would. And I was like, Did you ever borrow a hoodie? <laughs> she wore oversized clothes and they were always very cozy. <laughs> and she was my height though. How how can you you live in all the big stuff or being a lesbian? I like well, I mean you, you I guess you didn't really like you didn't come to my uni house, but I don't think you felt the lesbian vibes. I don't know. Because like it was a very lesbian household. Because Chloe had a female like whilst well, she was gay. And then my partner, my, not my partner, my friend who was bi. <laughs> I do say partner about boyfriends yeah, and girlfriends I anyway. That's like a choice so I made years I. ago. Um, it just does fuck with people as well. Just, it fucks with people, but also it kind it's, of, it also screams, it screams ally without having to be like, you're safe with me. <laughs> and it opens the door for someone else who's not ready to disclose who their partner is. To say partner and not say yeah. gender. So I don't know, it's just like an easy way to be nicer to other people. And I also really like when I say partner and the vibe changes and I'm just like, hey, yeah. I've clocked that. 
Yeah, you've I, made an assumption there, and your behaviour changed. I definitely me. feel like um, I've used the term partner before, and people hmm, like that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure everyone at work is very confused about me. <laughs> I'm like, eh, fine with it. When but me and my brother were chatting yesterday, saying that, I, and we were saying like, yeah. I was like, I don't believe that there's any woman that's just straight. And he was talking <laughs> about men, and he was like, I truly believe that a lot of my friends are bisexual, but yeah. it's still uncomfortable talking about it. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about it, like, openly, and my mum mm. was sitting there like, what? <laughs> it's not a binary. Oh, I do, th- I do think it's a spectrum. Like, I don't think anyone's like, oh, 100% one way or the other. No, and <laughs> I've always been confident in the in the belief that if you say you are 100% one way or the other, you're, you're hiding it. <laughs> yeah, like, me and my brother will literally say any man that is vocally and passionately, I'm straight, oh, definitely anyone who's, like, is vocally homophobic is, like, whenever the things they say about homophobia, I'm like, that's a bit sexual. Like, yeah, you're definitely you, very yeah. yeah. You're a bit gay, <laughs> Game, I think it? I've said that to someone before where they were being homophobic and I was like, that's a bit gay. And he was like, do you not get stuff doing it? It's opposite of the point. I'm like, no, you're being really gay right now. Yeah. And he was like, obviously, that's not the right way to talk about these no, things at all. But, but I was obviously trying to provoke him because he's been a dickhead. Yeah, that yeah. both yeah. <laughs> And it's not the way I would ever speak about it to someone who wasn't being so openly homophobic. But I was just like, that's a bit gay, mate. <laughs> I know. But like someone who adamantly hate the idea of being with a man they do talk about men yeah. quite a lot though. Like why are you think why are you thinking about this this much? I do not think about it that much. And I love seeing men get really uncomfortable at the thought of a man treating them how they treat women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we do our podcast episodes? Do we have we even introduced the topic? No, not yet. Oh dear. That's not that bad. We've done worse. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hi. <laughs> forgot you were here. We were just literally... <laughs> no. Hi. Hello. So, today, <laughs> we're going to do, like, a horror book episode. Are you alright, though? Oh, dear. Yeah, hang on, sorry. Rather than, it's not really recommendations, it's more horror books I've read and ones I want to read. It's not like me saying read these horror books because some of the ones I'm going to talk about that I've read recently, I personally would not recommend them. But you might like the sound of them. If you want horror recommendations, I stand by everything I mentioned last year in our two parts. Oh god, that was really in depth as well. Yeah, over sixty books or something in that. That was it. Yeah, that was a good episode. I didn't have a lot to add to that, if I'm honest. And we didn't yeah. think long term with some of these wrecks, to be fair. Mm. Well, we did this massive recommendation list, and it's like, oh shit, we're still here a year later. <laughs> yeah, and I, I assumed I would have probably read more horror between last mm. October and this year. But you've been on a different kick this year, haven't you? It's just vibes this year. Vibes <laughs> That's kick. just the word I'm using so much recently. It's vibes. Just vibes. Vibes and smut. <laughs> That's the thing. I did discover monster erotica this year. So. <laughs> And I'm proud of it, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I stand by it. Alright, some of these I have spoken about because they're books I've read over this last year, so I will have spoken about them in reading updates, but I will discuss them again. 
in case there's something you want to listen to. Well, you might be new. Hello. And I've opened them all up in Storygraph, like I did last week. If you didn't listen to last week, go listen to Adraft Entertainment books last week. I've got them in Storygraph, so I can do all the content warnings on them as well. Do you have your Storygraph on our card? Is it Storygraph public? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I might have. I'll have a look. Maybe. Have a look. If on the Lazy Book Lovers Instagram, which you should follow if you don't already. Yes. And you need to rate, review, I and... I haven't said that this whole time. No. Oh, you, you need to rate, review, and like us on things. Yes. Please. Please. Thank you. Okay, carry on. It'll be a beautiful Halloween present. Subscribe. <gasps> it can be a, a baby present to me. <laughs> yeah! This can be your baby shower gift. <laughs> like and rate us and subscribe. And follow us on things. Please. <laughs> and we're debate. Well, I'm debating about getting us Twitter. So, let me know how you feel about Twitter that. Twitter account, that is Chinese baby. Mm. I'm scared of Twitter, I don't go there. Twitter's not always a fun place to be, to be fair. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Mostly on it because of work. And that's where a lot of um, celebrities and authors out themselves as turfs and shit, so I don't want to watch it. I don't want to find out the author of the binding. Do you remember when I read that at the beginning of the year and I was really into it and loving yeah. it? Yeah. And then I found out that the author had gone on a liking spree of turf tweets, and I was like, Wait, do they not do know? This? Do people not know that stuff's publicly available? Like, I don't. <laughs> I was like, why have you done this? Because I really yeah. love that book. Like, you literally go see tweets and replies if you see what people like. You can do it on LinkedIn as well. You can. I think, is it public on TikTok? No. No. Instagram, it's not, not public. But. If like I'm on my newsfeed, I will see something like Tally's library has liked this. Like I will yeah. see things like that. Yeah. Anyway. But also I'm like, don't keep it to yourself because we deserve to know who that's what you think. Yeah. <laughs> so I can make an informed decision not to buy any more of your books. I just think it's just why are people so stupid? Like, what in this world? Why would you think it's a, you can get away with it? That's why do you think that way in this world? Well, why do you think that way? Yeah. One, and two, why do you think you can get away with it? It means you think people secretly support you. Which, I mean, Brexit happened, so clearly those people exist. But Brexit and Trump did happen, so those people are that Trump's running again as well. There was a Twitter that was like the silent, um, the silent majority or something. Oh, they think this, which is like. Oh. They think they speak for the people, but it's just like racist and homophobic and just ugh, rhetoric. I think they're so downtrodden mm. because they can no longer be socially racist without someone they like. That's not. The thing is, making it like so. Like, you can still do it. <clears throat> making it so these people don't vocalise it though does mean there is a silent group of people that we don't know exist that turns voting tables because we don't know to target them. And they're always like freedom of speech as well. It's like, no, 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 no. You can still say what you want, but people can say back to you, no. Yeah. That's not okay. You can lose your job because of it. You've still got your freedom of speech. You can still be a racist and homophobic arsehole if you want. But people also have the freedom of speech to say to you, no. Mm -hmm. Send it to your workplace. (laughs) I love it when people do stuff on like, especially on TikTok. And then they send it. There's a TikTok who does it. She'll do the investigation for you and then send screenshots of what they've been sending you to their bosses and things like that. Yeah, and I know it can be quite controversial, that kind of thing. But mm. I think in a lot of cases, like, if I had a business, I wouldn't want any of my staff being, like, racist or homophobic or anything. Well, it's like... Or... 
where so one of my parents works in self-help and social care and they had someone who was a support worker on their Facebook they were posting quite openly ableist stuff mm, no, 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 no. And, then that, and that person is a support worker for disabled people yeah so that shows what their real thoughts are so that's and that's not someone they could have safely supporting someone no. so there is some relevance I mean that person's stupid enough to do it on their own profile but say they were anonymously doing that stuff on TikTok that person still would have deserved to be outed. Anyway. For the first book I'm going to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was like a whole bunch of tangents. Go. Is When the Reckoning Comes by Latanya McQueen. I spoke about this not too long ago. But, well, I, you know I have no memories. This is like I hear it for the first time. Do I, in fact? So this is a haunting novel about a black woman who returns to her hometown for a plantation wedding and a horror that ensues as she reconnects with the blood-soaked history of the land and the best friends she left behind. That's the one where she's seen that ghostly scene to, like, save... She sees what happened to the slaves. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And, um... The idea of a plantation being turned into weddings or... It does happen. And, um, a museum where they hire black people to... Be actors, yeah. Uh, but but it's, it's probably based it's just, on it something probably real. Does happen. Yeah. Like genuinely probably does happen. Yeah. This is a really good book. It's hard, but mm. really, really good. Content warnings <laughs> Racism, slavery, torture, rape, sexual violence and sexual assault. All of which you would expect in anything to be so sudden. It remind what did it remind me of? I was thinking the other day. It reminded me of the first season of American Horror Story Coven when okay. you meet Madame Whatever. Happy Bates character. If you've seen American Horror Story, you know what I mean. It gave me like those kind of vibes. Yeah, it was a great book. It's horrific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of these books are gonna be like, yeah, they're good, but not like Enjoyable, uh-huh, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> As in, it was a good story. Yeah, it, it, it was evocative. It made me feel the things feel the that things. it wanted me to feel. Feel the feelings. Um, on a different note, mm-hmm. I did briefly mention this a couple of episodes ago because I recently read it. Wait, by Samantha Colesnick. Yeah. So this is one that I would not necessarily recommend. However, it might sound like something you would enjoy. Okay. I did read this tiny bit last week, but I'll read it the last time, but I'll read it again. Mm-hmm. Angela has everything she thought she ever wanted. A successful husband, a lavish home, and a bottomless fortune. But the sight of a strange man in a grocery store one night reawakens her dormant sexuality, and soon Angela embarks on a dangerous descent into the world of underground pornography and back alley plastic surgery. You didn't go into where you found so fucked no. up there, you saved it for this week. So why, why did so, it... It's only like 125 pages. It's a small book. I somehow loads of shit happens in it. So basically, Angela um, is in a... I don't even say it on this book. She's in an abusive relationship with a very wealthy man who she can't leave because... Yeah. Okay. Um, And he's like emotionally abusive and violent to her. And she has, she's from a very shit childhood which explains a lot of why she finds she accepts yeah accepts yeah, yeah. 
to accept the love they think you deserve. Yeah, like her mum is literally, I think, well, like when she starts her period, her mum is like, you're a woman now, your job is to make a man happy. And she's like, oh, she's with her husband. And you get flashbacks of like her first relationship. Yeah. And all of like, the relationships when she was happy were with women. And no. all of the relationships that she had with men were abusive. But she's not, she doesn't, she has extreme biphobia oh. of her head. And so it kind of explains like why she's ended up in this situation. One night she's at a grocery store and she sees this man and she just, she kind of like gets really obsessed with him and starts stalking him and she thinks he's the love of her life. They have right. a brief conversation where he thinks she works there and he asks her where the marshmallows are. Right. And she's like, they're down there. And then uh, he mentions that the marshmallows are his pregnant girlfriend. Okay. And she's all like, in her head, she's like, you're my soulmate, we should be together. Then she starts mm. stalking him. Um, she tells her husband about him during an argument that they're having. And he decides to, like, stalk this man as well, and he hires him as an accountant to manage okay. his stalking. So that he can see this man that his wife considers to be the only one that can sexually fulfill her. Even though literally they just had a conversation okay. about marshmallows, yeah. And then her husband decides, he's like one of those men that, like, if he can't have her, no one can, kind of thing. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. And he decides that he is going to get plastic surgery to look like this man that she met okay. in the grocery store. Now, he goes to a lot of plastic surgeons and they're all like, you need to go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do that. He's yeah. literally taken in a photo and he's like, I need to look like this man because that's who my wife finds attractive. And all of the plastic surgeons are like, Get oh, out. No. And he gets blacklisted from like plastic surgeons. Right, okay. Um, he ends up finding an underground plastic surgeon who's not really a plastic surgeon. He is a filmmaker who does very specific porn films and people pay him for specific things they want to see on mm. film, including body modification so he carries out surgeries on his oh, porn okay. stars so like one of them has like mermaid scales on her modifications that look like mermaid scales okay. that kind of stuff so he's not a real plastic surgeon okay he's just some fucked up dude who does fucked up shit for money okay and he's the only one that agrees to do the surgery oh, shocking and <laughs> It's a short book. I don't really want to yeah. put it. It kind of goes from there and it's just really, really fucked yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, it already sounds quite fucked up just from that. And I thought it would be... I don't really know what I thought it would be. I thought it would just be horror, mm. but not in the horror that it was. <laughs> That's like under your skin horror. And like, it gets worse yeah, from there. Yeah, like icky. It gets a lot worse from I there. find that worse than like stuff that's like openly like horror horrors and like ghosts and whatever. Mm. Like... The under the skin, hair's breath and reality ones make me like yeah. Black Mirror kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the ones that are like based in something that could happen. Mm-hmm. And it's a very short book, but a lot happens. I mean, what I've just it's mentioned like, is literally tense. what happens in like thirty pages. Jeez, or something. Come on. And then it goes from there, and it is just so 
fucked up. I enjoy. I also mm. quite enjoy body horror as a genre. Mm. It, I like it in movies, and I've only read a few in books. But even in this, I don't, it was just. It was a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was well, a lot. It was a lot for 125 pages. Because, because it was so short, so they didn't really have like the middle ground. It was almost like the. Mm. It kind of just went from this fucked up thing to this fucked up thing. Yeah. So, um, it's not a bad book. It's not something I would recommend, but maybe it's something you would enjoy. Yeah. The cover looks cool, which is why I picked it up. Oh yeah, it looks like very like Victorian, like ye- yellow wallpaper kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, and it was not at all anything. Yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah. So even Waif doesn't make sense as a title for that kind of stuff. Oh, it, it it's called Waif because I can't actually tell you that. So um, the film producer has a gang of queer women who are like they keep everyone. They're like the security gang, like they keep okay. everyone on board. They make sure that the performers are where they have to be and they don't escape. And, like, it's just, and okay. they are called the Waifs. Right, okay. That makes sense then. And they are very comfortable with killing people or Ooh, okay. whatever they need to do to get the job done. Equal opportunities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's got it. It's a queer gang, which is kind of cool. <laughs> But yeah, I can't remember if I mentioned this last year. I don't think I did because I think I might have read it after our episode. If I did mention it last year, well done on remembering. <laughs> so we do not. <laughs> the Troop by Nick Cutter. Nick Cutter is. I have spoken about this in detail, but I can't remember if it was on that episode. Yeah. Nick Cutter is like body gore extraordinaire. Speaking of body gore, yeah. Um, and this is the one that's like. Uh, a troop of boys that go away with their scout master and then yes, they get an infection, kind of Lord of the Flies esque, very gross. But it's like nearly 400 pages or something. So, you know, you have the in between stories. So yeah, it makes sense. Really <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they go to this camping trip on an island, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then a man rocks up on the island who's like very thin and blah 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 and who's um clearly infected with something and he passes it on to them all and then it becomes very much like survival mm. of the fittest. Kind of inspired by Lord of the Flies, I guess. Yeah. Things like that used to feature quite heavily in my nightmares I think for like before. Like viruses and like zombie viruses spreading, all these like viruses spreading. Well, after COVID as well, you can see how easy it is. Yeah. I think working in a hospital setting taught me how easy that stuff could happen. Oh, I didn't do the trigger warnings, did I? So, trigger warnings of waste, mm-hmm. body horror, rape, sexual violence, sexual assault, violence, murder, aphobia, cancer, emotional abuse. I think Ooh. I actually covered all of them that anyway. That's quite a long list. For such a short book. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, um, the triggers for the troop. Yep. Animal cruelty, body horror, animal death, bullying and fat phobia. Mm. Yeah, there there is some quite fucked up scenes in it, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um okay. I don't know if I mentioned this one, but I'm gonna mention it again because right. I still think about it even though I read it like February last year. Okay. Um it's by Stephen Graham Jones and it's called Night of the Mountains. I think it, if 
I think I probably spoke about the only good Indians fighting. Yes, I remember that. Mm. So this is called Night of the Mannequins. It's a novella. It's 150-ish pages. What have you put things short? Um, I like to pick up short horror because yeah. I want to write a short horror collection. Yeah. I like to read it. I, I like it when people can make horror in such a short... I think you've got to be like, so precise in your writing. Like, mm. the pace has to be just right. It's like the opposite of Stephen King, who's like, yeah, I was it out. 2,000 pages. And Stephen Graham Jones has spoken about many a time. He is one of my favourite One of your autobiographies. Yeah. yeah. He's uh, an indigenous author, so his, um, his horror tends to be sort of quite different to Western horror, and it's very, like, societal and there's all I don't know there's always like a different a different like underlying thing to mm. when you read indigenous horror and same as like horror written by people of colour it's just yeah. it's it makes you think not a western centric kind of mm. horror. So this is like a prank that goes wrong for some children. Okay. So um we thought we'd play a fun prank on her and now my things are dead. One last laugh for the summer as it winds down. One last prank just to scare a friend. Bringing a mannequin into the theatre is just some harmless fun, right? Until it wakes up, until it starts killing. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> I think the mannequin was called Manny as well, if I remember right. Luckily, Sawyer has a plan. He'll be a hero. He'll save everyone to the best of his ability. He'll do whatever he needs to do so he can save the day. That's the thing about heroes. Sometimes you have to become the monster first. Um. Yeah, it's just. Oh, no, the mannequin. Yeah, no, right, no, right, right. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, Doctor Who has ruined that forever. They <laughs> bring a mannequin into the theatre. Yeah. Their friend works there as a ticket person. And they're like, it'll be so funny when she asks him for a ticket. And yeah. then realises he's a mannequin. It's so funny. But it gets up and walks out. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> um. Content warning. <laughs> Murder, death, violence, mental illness and grief. We'll make you wake the weird squeaky noise I just made. 150 pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been, I've, I read it January last year. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. You know, 18 months I read it and I still think about it and I'm like, laugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this one is kind of like, I would say it's horror adjacent. Okay. Um, I don't. I loosely horror. Okay. So if you're not really a horror reader, this might be one that might be entry level. Yeah. Um, it's called "You Must Not Miss" by Katrina Leno. And it's a YA. It's like magical realism thriller horror. It's got magic in it. Though. <laughs> Probably for me. <laughs> So it says, one of us is lying meets Carrie in a suspenseful story of friendship, family and revenge. And I think mm, that's what she's done okay. out quite well. Magpie Lewis started writing in her yellow notebook the day after her family was self-destructed. <laughs> the day her father ruined her mother's life. The day Erin, Magpie's sister, skipped town and left her to tend to herself. The day of Brandon Fitz's party. Now Magpie's called a slut in the hallways of her high school. Her former best friend won't speak to her, and she spends her lunch period with a group of misfits who have been as socially exiled as she has. And so feeling trapped and forgotten, Magpie retreats to her notebook, dreaming up a perfect 
magical place called Mir. A place where a father never cheated, a mother never drank, and Magpie's own life never derailed so suddenly. She imagines Mir so completely, so fully, that she writes it into existence, right into her backyard. I'm going to stop there, there is more, but I think that's what it is. Does a maladaptive daydream come to life? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it has um, uh, queer and handy, I think, as well. Um, the content warnings alcoholism, sexual assault, bullying, rape, suicide vomit, and transphobia. Mm. Oh, well, the big ticket items. I think, like, it's one of those you might not realise it's horror if you. Okay. I don't know. I think, like, for beginners, it's a good horror. You might think yeah. it's like a YA fantasy story. Yeah, if you read a lot of horror, element. you might read it and be like, this isn't horror. Yeah. But for what it is, it is. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it does sound. So, one more of what I've read recently, and the rest are just going to be a few that I want to read. Okay. So, hopefully, I'll have read them by next year's. <laughs> we need more material, <laughs> so you better. <laughs> Um, the horror wrecks live and die with you. <laughs> so this one, I don't know if I've spoken about it again, but this one's called The Cosmology of Monsters by Sean Hamill. And it is, uh, how to, let me just read it. I'm thinking of how to describe this, but no. <laughs> so, monsters, both figurative and very literal, stalk the Turner family. The youngest child, Noah, narrates the family history how in the late 60s, his bookish mother Margaret marries Lovecraft horror Harry, Lovecraft lover Harry, against her better judgment. The couple has two daughters, Sydney, born, born for the spotlight, and a brilliant but awkward Eunice, a natural writer and storyteller. The finances are tight. Margaret and Eunice are haunted by horrific dreams, and Harry starts acting strangely. He becomes obsessed with the construction of an elaborately crafted haunted house attraction, christens the wandering dark. Mm. The family tries to shield Baby Noah from the house's faux horrors, but unbeknownst to them, he's being visited by a fairy beast with glowing orange eyes, the same ghastly being glimpsed by both his mother and sister. However, unlike them, Noah decides to let the creature in. Oh. So, okay. it's definitely like, uh, a creature that follows the family. <laughs> Generations. Yeah. There is not even on here. Oh yeah, it is. Um I read it, I enjoyed it, but there was a big I read it as an art. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big content warning that wasn't given out, which made me not enjoy the book. Okay. And so suicide attempts, sexual contents, suicidal thoughts, mental illness. Blood, abortion, homophobia, and an incest and adult slash minor relationship mm, grooming. Okay. That was the one that I could have done with some prep. I was like, could have done with a bit more. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so that took it down to like a 3.75 or something. Mm. So it's still enjoyable, but I think just obviously if you're, if you're not too keen on that, so I don't think you would be keen, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just be aware. Too much to listen, watch, listen, read. <laughs> just, just be aware. There's a bit of like. Is like the monster almost stuff. like a stand-in for like generational trauma kind of thing? Uh, yeah. If you want to get deep about it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> okay, so these are books I want to read. Let's do it. 
So Lakewood by Megan Giddens, which is a it's actually listed as a sci-fi book, but I think it's a horror. Okay. So it's about when Lena Johnson's beloved mother grandmother dies, and the full extent of the family debt is revealed. The black millennial drops out of college to support her family and takes a job in the mysterious and remote town of Lakewood, Michigan. On paper, her job is too good to be true, high-paying, no out-of-pocket medical expenses, a free place to live. All Lena has to do is participate in a secret programme and lie to her friends and family about the research that's being done in Lakewood. An eye drop that makes brown eyes blue, a medication that gives your dementia. Golden pills promise to make all the bad things go away. Discoveries made in Lakewood, Lena is told, will change the world, but the consequences for the subjects involved could be devastating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does say, Lakewood is a breathtaking novel that takes an unflinching look at the moral dilemmas many working class families face and the horror that has been forced on black bodies in the name of science. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's actually how a lot of modern medicine was discovered. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's probably. So, content warning for medical trauma, medical content, body horror, racism, cancer, chronic illness. Yeah, so, as I said, so this is a sci fi, but I very much. Yeah, it does sound like horror, horror yeah. yeah. It's got body horror in it. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it's that sci fi, really. Just because there's medicine in it, I yeah. wouldn't say, it, yeah. Science, like, if that was, like, I don't know, on, like, Mars or something, <laughs> they're a Mars colony, and then they were doing that, yeah. then you have me at sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> so, next one is My Heart is a Chainsaw, and this is by Stephen Graham Jones, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's on my shelf, I just haven't picked it up yet. Oh, it's going to be a trilogy. Right. <laughs> All of these other books have been standalone, that's cool. So, the trilogy is called The Lake Witch Trilogy. Okay. In a quickly gentrifying rural lake, Jade sees recent events only at her encyclopedic knowledge of horror films could have prepared her for in this latest novel from the Jordan Peele of horror literature, Stephen Randall's So it's got warnings for gore, suicide attempt, murder, sexual assault, rape, and child abuse. Hmm. But I do want to read it. Isn't it very similar to the Dark Academia triggers, yeah. to be honest? <laughs> um, the next one is a YA book, which came out this year. I really want to read. Okay. The Society of Soulless Girls by Laura Stephen. Yeah. It's a dark and funny YA thriller with a supernatural twist. But I've seen people describe it as horror as well. So it could be... Well, things can be read <laughs> So, uh, ten years ago, four students lost their lives in the infamous North Tower murders at the elite Carvel College of Art. That's like it could be dark, Forcing Carvel to close um, its doors. Now Carvel is reopening, and fearless student Lottie is determined to find out what really happened. But when her roommate Alice stumbles upon a sinister soul-splitting ritual hidden in the haunted library, the North Tower claims another Oh. Content warnings. Oh, it's basically not that thing. Uh, animal death, animal cruelty, <laughs> misogyny, death, mental illness, suicide, sexism, sexual assault, ableism. Oh, yeah, so that's Death Academia. Yeah. That's the classics from that. Death <laughs> Academia. The, the, <laughs> the next one is by Paul Tremblay, who is a very well known horror writer. Yeah, I feel like I've, 
I know this thing. Mm. Um, me in the movie, but... I've spoken about, or potentially spoken about, the... No, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> the something. The baby's deleted that. She'll send me a text in about three hours. Cabin at the end of the world. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I mentioned that, but I read... Anyway, here's one that came out this year. It only came out a few months ago, and I got it out of the library the other day, so I'll be reading it soon. The Paul Bearers Club. So, what if the coolest girl you've ever met decided to be your friend? Art Barbara was not so cool. He was a 17-year-old high school learner in the late 1980s who listened to hair metal and had to wear a monstrous back brace at night for his scoliosis and started an extracurricular club for volunteer pool bearers at poorly attended funerals. But his new friend thought the pool bearers club was cool and she brought along a Polaroid camera to take pictures of the corpses. Okay, that part's mm-hmm. a little weird. So her, her obsessive knowledge of the notorious bit of New England folklore that involved so was her obsessive knowledge of the notorious bit of New England folklore that involved digging up the dead. And there were other strange things, terrifying things, that happened when she was around, usually at night. But she was his friend, so it was okay, right? Decades later, Art tries to make sense of it all by writing the Paul Bearer's Club a memoir. But somehow, this friend's got her hands on the manuscript, and she has issues with it, and now she's making parts. So the book, mm-hmm. it's like his manuscript and then her handwritten notes on the side and stuff. So oh, it's like okay, that's clever. With mixed media as well. Yeah, that's so... very clever. Um, from what I can understand, I don't think I don't think it's a spoiler because it's how people describe the book. Okay. They say that it's, it's like there's an illusion that she could or could not be a vampire. Okay. So... Yeah, I can't wait to read this. Interesting. Content warnings for death, drug use, death of a parent, addiction, grief, drug abuse, cancer, alcoholism, bullying. That's a lot of cancer. I should just have these on, um, yeah. on a recording, shouldn't I? <laughs> Alright, next one. I've got it as an audio book on Audible. Okay. I hope to listen to it soon. I don't know how you listen to horror on audio. I don't know how to do it. It's so much more intense. I find it harder to read it. Do you? Mm. I find it, like... I don't know, because I'm, I guess because I read fast, I can get to it faster. Whereas if I'm listening to it, you've got to, like, listen to it draw itself out. Yeah, know. that's true. And, like, also when it's, like, I think acted like, out, it's more real for me. I'm, when I'm listening to it on audio, I'm usually doing something else while I'm like, washing mm. up or something. So perhaps, like, my full attention is there. Yeah. When I'm reading it, I'm usually sitting in bed reading. I picture it a lot more. Like, I picture it a lot either way, but I picture it so vividly with um, audio. Mm. Like, it's like, it was like, well, like, if I'm doing something, I sometimes listen to audio. It's like a picture in picture. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I'm in, there's two different pictures I'm looking at, and I'm not already looking at one of them, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, this is by Caitlin Starlin, and this kind of has... <laughs> See, whenever you take a breath before describing it, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> no, no, I just realised, I think it's similar to a one, another one I was going to mention, so I'll do them one after the other. Okay. Okay, so, when... Greer Price lied her way into this expedition. She thought she'd be mapping mineral deposits and that her biggest problems would be cave collapses and gear malfunctions. She also thought that the fat paycheck, enough to get her off planet and on the trail of her mother, meant she'd get a skilled surface king, monitoring her sleep and environment, keeping her safe, keeping her sane. Instead, she got M. M sees nothing wrong with controlling Greer's body with drugs or withholding critical information to ensure the smooth operation of her expedition. M knows all about Greer's falsified credentials 
and has no qualms in using them to leash and lash, and M has secrets too. The things that get me, as someone who watches and reads and enjoys a lot of horror media, mm. and consumes a lot of horror media, I don't like deep under the sea, and I don't like caves. So like everything with holding breath? It's all claustrophobic to me. This one is based in caves. Underwater, I really struggle, because mm-hmm. like, I feel like I can't breathe the whole time I'm reading it. <laughs> Hold that thought. <laughs> <laughs> so the content warnings on this. Confinement, death, body horror. <laughs> Medical content, drug abuse, mental illness, and vomit. And speaking of that, <laughs> <laughs> on that note, <laughs> I've got two more that uh, I think probably go well together okay. with that. So these are ones that I would probably genuinely struggle to read. This one came out this year, and I've got it as an audio okay. lined up. Our wives under the sea by Julia Armfield. Miri thinks she's got her wife back. When Lee finally returns after a deep sea mission that ended in catastrophe, it soon becomes clear, though, that Lee may have come back wrong. Whatever happened to that vessel, whatever it was they were supposed to be studying before they were stranded on the ocean floor, Lee has carried part of it with her onto dry land and into their home. To have the woman she loves back with Lena return to normal life, but Mary can feel Lee slipping from her grasp. Memories of what they had before, the jokes they shared, the films they watched, all the small things that made Lee hers only reminds Marie of what she stands to lose. Living in the same space, but suddenly separate, Marie comes to realise that the life they had may be gone. There's a story about falling in love, lost grief, and what there is in the deep, deep sea. Content warning. Body horror confinement, grief. <laughs> death of a parent, death, blood, suicide and vomit. And speaking about all of that... <laughs> Another one that came out this year that yeah. I also have lined up as yeah. an audio. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. No, it's not normal. This is my October. I'm just going to listen to all of these audios. Lots of drowning. Dead Silence by S.A. Barnes. Titanic meets The Shining in this sci-fi horror in which a woman and her crew board a decades-lost luxury cruiser and find the wreckage of a nightmare that has not yet ended. Claire Cavalac is days away from being unemployed made obsolete when her beacon repair crew picks up a strange distress signal. With nothing to lose and no desire to return to Earth, Claire and her team decide to investigate. What they find at the other end of the signal is a shop, the Aurora, a famous luxury space liner that vanished from its maiden tour of the solar system more than 20 years ago. The salvage claim like this could set Claire and her crew up for life, but a quick trip through the Aurora reveals something isn't right. Whispers in the dark, Flickers of movement, words scrawled in blood, Claire must fight to hold on to her sanity and find out what really happened on the Aurora, for her and her crew meet the same ghastly fate. Content warning four. <laughs> death suicide violence, death of a parent, suicidal thoughts, forced institutionalisation. I feel like those three go well together. Mm. You know what, like whenever you see like videos of like deep sea diving and wreckages, they make me so stressed. Don't even look at them. No, it was so, so fucking stressed. I can't stand anything from the sea in particular. Did you see, there was a video that was going around that I don't know if you might have seen it. There was a, an underwater rescue of what was presumed three dead passengers on board like a fishing boat or mm-hmm. something. So they're like, this boat had come apart, everyone was dead, they're going down to they get the wreckage and get the bodies. Mm. But, so they're like, 
deep, deep under the sea where it's sunk, and there's a guy trapped in an air pocket in a bit of the boat. What? Look, just alive? Alive in the deep sea, because, like, basically they see a hand in the water, oh. and, like, oh. he reaches out to grab it to, like, pull the body, pull the body yeah. and then the hand grabs back. No. And, like, and it's, it's the divers, like, recording speaking mm. between them of, like, there's a, there's a guy, there's a guy down, there's an actual guy down yeah, here. Like, and then the, he swims in, and it's a guy, like, it's almost like, you know, like in Cracks of the Caribbean, where they use, like, the air pocket in the boat to walk yeah, under yeah, the yeah. water? It's like that, basically. Mm. And, like, the oxygen's almost gone in this air pocket he was in, and, like, they get him out. Oh, no. But, like, can, uh, oh, no, no. Like, what would you do if you're that guy? Anything like that. Because the pressure's too much. You couldn't. You couldn't swim out. You don't know. You don't know where you are. How deep you are. To die or someone to save you. Yeah, it's basically what he was doing when the divers found him. <laughs> the video is horrible. If it comes up again, though, I'll tell you. Thanks. <laughs> Since I'm watching once, it's found me on a few different places, and I'm like, why does this keep coming up? <laughs> okay, so I've just got three left now. Okay. Yeah, three left. Shoot. So this one's called The Book Eaters by Sunny Dean. I'm actually currently reading this. Okay. And it is fucking crazy. (laughs) 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 Um, Out on the Yorkshire moors live a secret line of people for whom books are food and who retain all of the book's content after eating it. For them, spy 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 novels are a peppery snack. Romance Mm. novels are sweet and delicious. Eating them up can help them remember the directions, and children, when they misbehave, are forced to eat dry, musty dictionary pages. <laughs> Devon is part of the family, an old and reclusive clan of book eaters. Her brothers grow up feasting on stories of valour and adventure, and Devon, like all other book-eating women, is raised on a carefully curated diet of fairy tales and cautionary tales. But like, real life doesn't always come with happy endings as Devon learns when her son is born with a rare and darker kind of hunger. Not for books, but for human minds. Yeah. Really good so far. I'm like 30% in. Yeah. Crazy, batshit crazy, but so, so good. This author is like quite active on TikTok. Okay. Uh, content warning. Violence, domestic abuse, pregnancy, childbirth, and child abuse. Awesome new ones. Some fresh ones in there. Yeah, mixing up a bit. Speaking of child abuse, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of childbirth, uh, just like Mother by Anne Hetzel, the last time Maeve saw her cousin was the night she escaped the cult they were raised in. For the past two decades, Maeve has worked hard to build a normal life in New York City, where she keeps everything and everyone at a safe, dis- safe distance. When Andrea suddenly reappears, Maeve begins the only, uh, regains the only true friend she'd ever had. Soon she's spending more time at Andrea's remote, hat skills estate than in her own cramped apartment. Maeve doesn't even mind that her cousin's wealthy work friends clearly disapprove of her single lifestyle. After all, Andrea's made her fortune in the fertility industry. Baby fever mm. comes with the territory. The more Maeve immerses herself in Andrea's world, the more disconnected she feels from her life back in the city, and the cousin's increasing attachment triggers memories Maeve has fought hard to bury. But confronting the terrors of her childhood may be the only way for Maeve to transcend the nightmare still. Content warnings for rape, pregnancy, sexual assault, child death, infertility, murder, and abortion. And we have a creepy AF cover. 
Oh, it's just like a doll's head. It's a doll's head. It's like it's <laughs> a creepy doll's head. And the last one, we're just going to go for a bit of a different vibe. All right. Bit of variety. Mm. Some new triggers. Mm. <laughs> so this is from 1872. That's the okay. we're going to go right back. It's called Camilla. Back in the day. Mm. By J. Sheridan Lofanco. And this is, oh no, Lofano, sorry. And this is the first vampire book ever written it like predates Dracula and it is about the lesbian vampire oh mm. oh this is the one like she it's a real like woman that's conspiracy theory about it, isn't it but she like she like bathed in the blood of virgin yeah yeah and then um, apparently had sex with a horse or something like it was just a weird rumor yeah I think so okay it's only like 150 pages mm. Probably like a normal novella length for that, a normal novel length for mm. that time. In a lonely castle deep in the Styrian forest, Laura leaves a solitary life with only her elderly father's company until a moonlit night brings an unexpected death to the, to the shot. At first, Laura is glad to finally have a female companion of her own age, but her new friend's strange habits and eerie nocturnal wanderings quickly become unsettling and soon a ghastly truth is revealed. Suffaced with gothic horror and sexual tension, Camilla predated Dracula by 26 years and has inspired generations of writers since the foundation of the lesbian vampire myth. Mm. Content warnings for <laughs> blood, death, murder, and racism. Bit different. Bit of variety there. And I was like, do you know what? Lesbian vampires. Mm. And one of the first vampire books. I'll take that. Sapphic vampire? Yeah, I'll yeah. take that. Need a bit more sapphic horror in my life. Yeah. So tell me, would you read any of them? <laughs> I probably would, to be fair. Like, maybe not like buy the physical book, but maybe an Kindle or yeah, like yeah. library. Not an ebook. Uh, not an audio book. I just really think I struggle with it on audio. Mm. I think my imagination is too vivid. Yeah. It conjures up enough horrors all by itself. Well, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> it does not need extra help. There's like one scene that was in a book I read mm. last year. The book itself was ultimately terrible. Like the first half was yeah. fabulous, the second half was so bad I literally never want to look at the oh, book ever again. I hate that. It was also turned into a Netflix film called The Ritual. The film is fabulous. Okay. So I recommend watching the film, don't read the book. There's one scene in the book that even now gives me shivers when I think about it and it still pops in my head. Mm. And I kind of hate that. <laughs> mm. I, I remember I was reading it and I was like, nope, putting that down. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough for yep. today. And I'm done. Yeah, no. So, yeah. I feel like my imagination does enough all those. <laughs> I need to get back on the horror. Horror vibes. There's not been reading much of it. I've never really. Yeah, I think this horror. I'm a bit of a, a wimp, but like, if you get me to watch a horror film, they don't bother me. Mm. I think book is worse because, because you can imagine that. Yeah. yeah. Like in a film, especially in a film where they show you the monster thing, it's instantly less scary. Nothing makes me care less than seeing the creature. Yeah. yeah. She's like a woman in black, like you watch the if you watch a stage play, you never really see her. So yeah. Half glimpses of her in, in and a shadow, scary. in a toy. And that's worse than when you like straight up see her in the film. Yeah. And the thing about when you barely see them is like that's the same as like when you see something out of the corner of mm-hmm. your eye. Like mm-hmm. 
Mm. Well, it's just little things like, I don't know, he like, there's one point in the stage play where he like, drops it. It's so good. Yeah. It is so good. It is like heart racingly good. So there's a bit like, just the, the guy on the screen, like, the lights go out and he has a torch. Yeah. On screen, on stage. Basically, he drops the torch, and as the torch, the, the torch like swings up, you see her face behind. But like, he just briefly. He does not react to it. He doesn't see her. So you, it's almost like you know, like he's behind you. It's yeah. that, it's that feeling. But the character on, like on stage, is completely oblivious. Everyone in the audience is like, oh, I need to carry on. Yeah, like she's at like I don't know. He'll pass a window. She's just at the window. Yeah. So you're just like, <gasps> and then he's just going about his day, and you're like. Fuck, <laughs> dude, dude, and she walks through the audience, oh, and that's that's sense. terrifying because yeah. you'll just see her out the corner of your eye walking through the audience. So I went to see it with the school, and um, the girl I was sat next to was like fully sobbing, like from fear. Yeah, and so the actress playing the ghost clearly decided to fuck with her because <gasps> oh, rather than leave her alone, was like she, yeah, I'm going honestly, after her. Like I kind of because I was on the aisle because I was like oh, I don't give a shit. And she, this the girl that was crying was next to you on my right. And no joke, the ghost lady like stands right next to us, and then she just does this really creepy slow look down at us. Oh no! And she was a tall, like tall yeah. lady, and she just looks down and like the girl that was crying, no joke, death grip on my arm. She's like Tony, 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 <laughs> Tony, Tony, she's right there, and I'm like. But that is like a whole normal human Yeah, I can see the person. Yeah. And like, you can like, I'm I like, see the actress. So I fucking play, you're yeah. fucking with us. <laughs> like, it's working, Lola. Yeah, well, like, she's, <laughs> my arm hurts. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> I'm bruised. Good job. Uh. And they like do clever stuff with the speakers where they roll sound. So they'll make the sound like, sound like they're coming behind you. That sound. Or like, in my switch, you sound like you're surrounded by a sound. So like when the characters are getting like soundscapes on stage, it surrounds the audience as well. It's like it's really, it's, it's really for the X that actually works. Yeah, like genuinely, like their stage, they use like layers. Basically, they're just for theatre studies. So this is yeah. why I know so much about the staging. They use like layers of gauze as well, like like the ones that the sheets that come down from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They use different layers of that to like layer scenery oh. to to have this effect of her being just behind things or always just inside or like I don't know, like something will be going on downstairs. And then it will just light upstairs, and it's just a rocking chair just rocking upstairs. And the characters downstairs just going about their life, and you're just there like there's just this creepy rocking in the top right corner. And then the light goes out, and you're like, "Why have you done that? What does that mean?" (laughs) Sounds like the film didn't quite capture. The film is good. I quite like the film, but but the stage is so like does not feel more um, involved. Well, like there's just there's little things that are just for you. Yeah. So like that'll happen. So they'll light that upstairs bit a couple times to show like, and then but they're just going about the life, and then finally eventually like a toy will start singing upstairs, and Mm. that's what gets the characters' attention and makes them go upstairs. You're just like, no, there's been batshit stuff happening happening up there for like five fucking minutes. Don't go up there. Don't go up there. I think like the problem with the film as well is that the whole time I was like. Harry Potter, what are you doing? <laughs> Calm down, yeah. it's a body promoter. And everyone was like, <laughs> everyone was saying it's like if, if Lily and Snape had a, had yeah. a kid. And that's yeah. fair. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think it was too close to Harry Potter for me that I just couldn't see him as anything other than Harry Potter. And I was like, just get your wands out, mate. He isn't as old as the character is supposed to be, or either. 
Yeah, because it's supposed to be like an older widow one, right? Um, oh. Definitely a graduated lawyer. Oh, okay, established okay. like family practice lawyer, having graduated. And yeah, presumably, I mean, he looks like he's like 20. In the I think it's because obviously Daniel has a young face. And it was, a good, it was a good name to draw as well, Yeah. I really enjoy that Daniel Radcliffe just does whatever the fuck he wants in film now. Mm-hmm. Like, he has played some hilarious roles and he doesn't care. Um, have you seen Horns? Mm-hmm. That's good. He was really good in that. Yeah, that's really have good. Have you seen Swiss Army Man, where he plays the No, I've seen clips cool. of it. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that he was just like, yeah, don't, don't make a prosthetic doll, I'll just do I'll it. I'll just do it, yeah. <laughs> oh, I really liked Horns. Why do people like tagged it off and I was like, no, it was actually really good. I watched it with one of my friends and I had to spend so much time explaining things in the cinema. <laughs> Because I'm like, well, it's like it's quite symbolic. You have to know like Christian symbolism to understand what they're hinting at here, and like. <laughs> well, anyway, anyway. Daniel Radcliffe love at the end there. Oh, well, it was a related tangent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, if you've read any of those ones that I want to read, let me know. I mean, I'm going to read them anyway. But, you know, let me know. Or anything. pop some suggestions in. Yeah. The stuff you want her to read, have to talk about at some point. Yeah, go on our website, ladybooklovespodcast.wordpress.com, <laughs> and then give us some suggestions. We have a suggestion box, but no one's using it. Yeah, you can just put like book suggestions of what you want us to read. Yeah, we will, we will happily read it if you suggest it. Yeah, or like topic suggestions as well, mm-hmm. because I don't know, we decided what we were doing today at nine o'clock last night. Yeah, you can see how well it's all gone. <laughs> it's all gone to plan. Um, Lovely. We will speak to you in this more next week. <laughs> <laughs> next week for you. Yeah. Uh, for us, there will be in a the whole new human season. in the world. Yes. Hopefully it will be for here. several weeks by now. <laughs> yes, it would be here, and it will already be living its best horror life. <laughs> Slash, uh, maybe none of these podcasts went out because I'll be in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, excited to dress up as baby for Halloween. <gasps> yeah, because my, oh, my son was six months and he had about 12 costumes across October. Mm. Yeah, uh, just for the that. first year. And uh, the pumpkin one was my favourite. Yeah. Is that the one where you got picture, this picture of him in pumpkin? I feel like yeah. I remember that, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm very excited to get started on my next spooky baby. <laughs> Wait, raise your next feral spooky child. Yeah, so excited. Right. Speak to you soon. That's it. Goodbye. We love you. We do. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't make it creepy that time because we had a lot of creep all the way through. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.